Welcome, everybody. It's your meta host, MJ LaMama, and you're tuned in to episode 30 of The Culture Talk, powered by CEO and founder of The Culture Cards NFTs, Mr. Fred Frenchy, in partnership with the number one hip-hop podcast, Drink Champs. I want you guys to go ahead and be sure to tune in for the entirety of this segment and retweet this room to be included in our allow list. Also, be sure to follow The Culture Cards, its founding members, Fred Frenchy, myself, and our amazing guest speakers on all social platforms for more content like this. Actually, today, I have a wonderful co-host who is uh, also another athlete in this particular realm, if you will, an MMA fighter, uh, NFT kid, aka Keith Berry, or I should say the reverse. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, you know, of course, on today's segment, we're going to unpack the legacy of world-class professional boxer who began his career at just 18. With an unorthodox stance, this WBC World Cruiser champ is a force to be reckoned with. Ladies and gentlemen, allow us to welcome former Olympian, rather, Swedish native Badu Jack the Ripper. Thank you for joining us, Badu. We are so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Amazing, amazing. Now, you've had skin in the game since the age of 18, but from what I understand is that you actually started your journey at age 11. Am I correct in saying that? No. My first, uh, I started when I was 18, actually. My, my first amateur fight, uh, yeah, was in 2001, which, yeah, I was 18. 18, okay. So from what I understood was that you started your, your, your amateur career at 18, but you actually started your passion for boxing at, at 11? No. I, no? I mean, okay. Just as a fan, maybe, but uh, <laughs> okay. not really. I would say, I just, <laughs> of course, I've been following Mike Tyson and, and all the legends in the sport when I was a kid, but yeah, when I became an adult, that's when I started, uh, you know, boxing. So Understood. Yeah. Understood. Okay, so you're from Sweden, born to a Gambian father, a Swedish mother, um, you know, you grew up in a large household. I don't want to assume that all children were of the same mom, but that could very well be the case. I don't know if we can push out eight kids today in this day and age, but um, kudos to her if she did. And so it seems like your father had a great impact on your life and, and was a primary kind of uh, influence. How was it growing up in an interfaith and perhaps maybe a mixed family? Uh, so I grew up uh, actually alone with my mom, mostly with my mom, and uh, all my other siblings uh, are half siblings. So I didn't I didn't grow, grow up with nobody in my house, to be honest. Mm. So I was alone. <laughs> but I have uh, six siblings on my mom on my dad's side and and uh, two on my mom's side. So gotcha, yeah, gotcha, all good. <laughs> okay, okay. So you were pretty much on your own. Okay, got it. I mean, yeah. so you're a I don't want to say a mama's boy, but in essence, a mama's boy if you're her only child, right? Um, yeah, so... the third, the third <laughs> child. But yeah, the only one that they, my two older sisters on my mom's side, they they way older. So I grew up, on, uh, you know, they was already uh, adults at that time when I was born. Right. So the baby of the family. So yeah, she's basically yeah. starting over. So you are technically an only child at that point. <laughs> right, um, right. Now, I also understood that the that in Sweden, um, you know, obviously they were one of the few countries that had banned the sport of boxing. So what drove you into the sport? How were you able to sort of prepare for a career in uh, this arena, um, especially since it was only, I mean, the ban was only lifted in 2007. I believe you started in 2004. So I'm trying to kind of reconcile how exactly you, you managed to kind of fall into the space. 
So, so it, it was banned uh, professional boxing, but amateur boxing was not uh, like Olympic boxing was still uh, allowed. So I turned pro in 2009. Um, so basically, I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to do everything as an amateur. I had 150 amateur fights. And then after that, um, yeah, I turned pro in 2009. But the, mm-hmm. back then in Sweden, it wasn't big and there was only... Um, I think you can fight up to four rounds. So, you know, to be, become a world champion, to get the big fights, uh, you know, you need to... Sorry, you cut out there, buddy. We couldn't hear you. Uh, as a, to, to fight the big fights, you need to fight 12 rounds, 8, 10, or 12 rounds. So that's when uh, gotcha. I moved to the States, basically. Gotcha. So, okay. Now, I wanted to kind of go back because I kind of like to give people sort of an idea of how you actually grew up. And how you felt, you know, funneled your way into the sport itself. Yeah. Prior to you getting into boxing, was there anything that triggered the desire to jump into the sport? Did you have to defend yourself? What What was the reason why you sort of drove yourself into this area? I, I always liked boxing. I like to I love to fight, but but not really mm. street fight like that. But I always I always like boxing, and, and you know, I was a big fan of Mike Tyson. Um, and Roy Jones and all those legends and uh, yeah a friend brought me to the gym uh, when I was 17, 18 and yeah after that uh, I've been training hard ever since the first day so yeah so did was there anyone that sort of spotted your talent and said okay this is a kid that might actually have something there that we might want to nurture yeah, so, yeah, small steps, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a world champion or I wasn't this skillful when I started, but, uh, yeah, my, the coach that I had back then, uh, my amateur coach, he, he passed away, but, yeah, he, he saw something in me and, and uh, uh, not only just the talent, you can get, a, you know, so far from that, but you you need to have the discipline and, and the, the will to train, and, and that's what I had, and self-belief. Absolutely. So at what point, at what age were you when you actually moved to the United States? Because I know at some point you were labeled as Mayweather's protege. You had signed to Money Mayweather's, uh, you know, promoting promotion company, rather. So tell us how you entered this area with him. How did you guys connect? So uh, first, uh, I was discovered when I had my first fight in Sweden. My my Mm. first couple of fights of Shannon Briggs, former heavyweight champion. And yeah. uh, so I, I, he was uh, like my, uh, he was my promoter. So he, had, he just started a promotional company. So I moved into his house actually in Miami. So I was in Miami first for a couple of months. Um, then uh, I moved to Vegas. Uh, and then something happened with him and his uh, partner. Uh, so they released all the fighters. So um, I signed with uh, uh, Lou DeBella and Warriors Boxing. So I was fighting for them for like one year. And, uh, yeah, after that, um, yeah, Floyd saw me training at his gym. And then, yeah, he wanted to sign me and uh, the rest of the history. Understood, understood. And now going to the United States from Sweden, I'm sure was a shock for you to some degree, a culture shock, right? Um, and this really. is an assumption. No? Okay, okay, good. Good, no. good to know. <laughs> because you're a very, you know, strong, I guess, very visible practicing Muslim. And the reason why... Um, I asked this particular question is because, you know, you mentioned that you grew up primarily with your mom. Was your mom practicing uh, Islam or was it just your dad? And how did that influence come on to you? 
Uh, it was it's just my dad. My my mom is not Muslim, uh, not yet. Um, but uh, I wasn't really starting practicing until I would say probably like eight years ago or something. We like yeah, around around eight years ago. Before I won my first, maybe even ten years ago. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Years ago, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Now. Your professional career boasts a staggering 28 wins out of 34 fights with 17 knockouts from what I, what I was able to gather. Now, when yeah. I think of you, um, you know, fighters like Khabib come to mind with the level of discipline and humility that you bring to, uh, to the sport because, of course, you, you're Muslim and you're very proud uh, Muslim and identifying in your, in your faith. Um, I know that there are strict rulings Islamically about certain things when it comes to combat one of which is the restriction of hitting the face or the head, rather. Um, and now yeah. your entire life choice revolves sort of around that. Do you typically try to eliminate opponents by maybe focusing on areas away from the face? Is that something that you think about at all? Um, and, of course, I ask because I know that I've heard Khabib in the past mention uh, that he might, might want to focus more on grappling to avoid, um, you know, certain aspects of, of hitting that, you know, would, would kind of render him you know, breaching laws of Islam, if you will. Um, how do you navigate that? Do you, does that some, is that something that you process at all? Do you think about that at all? That's why they call me the ripper. I go to the body more than to the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think about it. Uh, but I, I always pray for, for my opponent before the fight. And uh, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really think of it like that. That, that This is the hurt business. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, I know none of us are perfect, so of course, yeah, hopefully nobody get injured from from my fight. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, it's just it always kind of makes me wonder if it is something you think about because in some instances, some some you know fighters probably don't think about it; they don't care. It's not something that really haunts them. But I know some others are a little bit more cautious about, it, as mentioned, you know, Khabib, uh, which is why I brought him up into this conversation. Um, yeah. Now. You know, I'm sort of going to jump back and forth a little bit and, and feel free, um, Keith, whenever you want to jump in, by all means, the floor is also yours. Um, there was a fight in particular uh, where, I have to bring it up, that your head was split open, right, by your opponent, yeah. Marcus Brown. Uh, you pushed through that it, despite the fact that your face was bleeding out. I almost wonder if there's, you know, was there ever a level of thought that crossed your mind about the potential danger you could be uh, in in terms of continuing the fight, I ask because, you know, we've all heard of uh, Pritchard Colon, who was paralyzed from a fight, although I recognize that, you know, his circumstances were a little bit different because there were some illegal, illegal hits. But did yeah. that cross your mind at all? I know there was maybe some regret there. Uh, no, not at all. It's different because I was never hurt. I was headbutted, headbutted okay. and I got, a, a, you know, a cut in the forehead. Uh, it was bleeding a lot, but... I was never hurt or nothing like that, so uh, it wasn't that bad. It looked worse than what it was, but uh, I was scared I, it was when I saw that. In my eyes, so I could barely see, uh, and you know, I'm I'm am a fighter, so I'm uh, this, uh, if you're not built for this, then boxing is not your sport. And uh, yeah, I'm built for sure. this, and uh, I'm not gonna quit. You know? Understood. Okay, so when I, I suppose when the adrenaline hits, it hits, and you don't necessarily feel it, but. 
I don't know. From my angle, if I do, it <laughs> looked very <Yeah>. painful. <laughs> did you? Uh, I'm I'm curious to know how many stitches did you get overall. I think I think I read somewhere that it was like 33, but I could be exaggerating at this point. Yeah, um, but it, it was like it, three layers also. Oh my god! About a hundred almost. Yeah. Yeah. What was the hard recovery little, time on sport. that? Uh, it was like um, I think uh, like two months or something. Then the doctor cleared me. I could fight again. But yeah, I fought. Uh, I think it was a lot, not even till like 11 months after. So, yeah, everything's good. Oh, so, goodness. it wasn't it, the only thing that really hurt was um, when they cleaned it before they stitched it up with the alcohol or whatever. That hurt. It was mm. burning. I thought it was they put fire on it. But, yeah, other than that, yeah, it was uh, not a big deal. Yeah, no, no, it's a big deal. <laughs> I'm sure to your wife, <laughs> I'm sure to your daughter. <laughs> what was, uh, what sorts of, you know, pushbacks do you ever get from your spouse, considering that it's probably a sport that's, it, you know, probably terrifies her every now and again? Did she have any concerns? Is it something that you guys discuss within the household beforehand? Because I know you have a daughter. And so is that something yeah. that you, you know, soothe her beforehand and let her know you're fine? Or how does that work exactly? Yeah, I mean, the, um, she knows this, this is dangerous, but uh, uh, she she know I got pretty good defense and I don't get hit too much. So, uh, yeah, no, she good. And, uh, yeah, my daughter, I, I have a son too, so I brought him for the first time my last fight. Mm -hmm. uh, so both of them was in the ring after the fight. Everybody was excited, so, yeah. Amazing. So up until this point, up until your, your most recent win, um, I'm curious to know who was the most – toughest opponent who was the most challenging for you and it doesn't necessarily have to be in terms of strength but who was the most challenging or exhausting for you um i don't know to be honest um i had a couple of tough fights but um yeah that's a good that, I, I don't even know but the biggest puncher i fought was adonis stevenson definitely oh man he oh the superman they they called him he was oh wow he's an animal but i just had a question because you are a three division champion so you're you, that's very hard to do especially in boxing and then i always wonder like someone like you you have such a unique style and it's like really is the sweet science like you go to the body you go to the head you fake to the body to the head i mean uh, so many beautiful punches i've seen in a lot of your fights i'm just wondering like is there somebody that you kind of looked up to? I, I know you said Mike Tyson and some other people, but uh, your style really not a Mike Tyson style. It's a it's a sneaky style, and all of a sudden you don't see that punch coming, and then you you end the guy. So uh, Mike Tyson had more of a you know blitzkrieg kind of crazy style, come out and knock you out. But um, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering, did you kind of get any of your style? You kind of seen some guys, and you want to emulate a little bit. Uh, not really. I try my own style, but of course, uh, I was a fan of Mike, of Roy Jones, Floyd, Pernell Whitaker, you know, Bernard Hopkins, all all these legends. Uh, what's the name? Gerald McClellan. Yeah, I loved everybody, so I was just a fan right. of boxing. So yeah, yeah. So you you took a little bit of out of everyone, and then because uh, you are like a, you're like a scientist in boxing, the things that you've done, and um, yeah, I know I'm kind of fanboying out a little bit, but I'm just like. <laughs> Yeah, you've done some things like everyone does talk about that cut a lot, but I'm like, man, forget that cut. He's done so many other things. Like, uh, that was my word yeah. of fight in my career. <laughs> so it's yeah, important yeah. to bring it up. <laughs> no, I'm just, um, I'm just 
so I mean, for me anyway, um, that that cut wasn't. I mean, I know that you know typically in these sports, I mean, you're going to get injuries, but a lot of the people who partake in these sports, you know, they they they're built for it. But to me, I well, the way that I looked at it, I saw. I, I'm pretty sure I saw your brain. I, I mean, <laughs> it was that deep. So I was just kind of worried, right? Um, but I wanted to uh, maybe ask you because you did, as I said you know, you work with Mayweather, what were some of the skill sets perhaps, or maybe um, an influence that helped shape a little bit of your career while working with Mayweather? I mean, uh, he, he was the, it was silly, the, the biggest name of the sport and, you know, the best fighter, one of the best of all times, if, if not the best. So to have him, uh, having my back and, you know, training with him and, you know, over, been signed with him for like 10 years. Uh, you know, it meant a lot, and it, just to see his work ethic, and uh, yeah, he gave me so many advice, and and uh, even I had an early loss of, uh, in my career. Uh, what's it, what you call it? Uh, early in my career, I had a uh, you know like a loss to a journeyman, but he he knew that it was an accident that 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 stuff can happen, but he always believed in me. So uh, two two fights later, I became world champion. So. Uh, it feels great to have somebody like Floyd. He's still still my my guy, even though I'm not signed with him anymore. We Floyd is still my guy, and uh, yeah, he, he's he's a brother for life. Absolutely, and I love to hear that. Um, so again, and this is going back because I feel like it's very it's very much your a big part of your identity. Uh, there's a strong Islamic representation in sports in recent times, and you are in fact one of those people. You became you know, emotional uh, after becoming the first Muslim to win your title in Saudi Arabia. Why was that an important moment for you? I mean, uh, to make history and, and uh, yeah, to to inspire uh, other Muslim athletes. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was an amazing feeling. Mike Tyson walked me to the ring. Um, yeah, we, we had a great fight and finished by, uh, won by knockout and get my third uh, belt after I've been robbed so many times. So many bad decisions. Mm. So it felt great. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, we we broke some other records. So I think the first Muslim to win the world title in Saudi, in the Middle East. Uh, yeah. Oldest, I think oldest uh, cruiserweight champion to win the major title. Um, I think uh, somebody said that Anthony Tarver, Antonio Tarver, sorry, uh, won the uh, like IBO belt. But yeah, that's not really considered like the major uh, one of the four major belts but uh yeah the oldest champion and i think the second oldest uh current champion in boxing right now i don't feel that old over (laughs) no no you're (laughs) definitely still really really relatively young um you know only at 39 and you're already you know sitting at champ so uh, i think it's a beautiful thing but again i just want to live a little bit on this topic because as i said you got emotional you just mentioned right now that it's important to have more muslims involved in in these sports i i kind of want to dig a little bit deeper just to kind of understand your mindset as to why that is in fact important um you know again there's a slight shift you know of course we've heard in past about so many things revolving around islamophobia and there's been such a hesitation in and around um you know islam so you coming into the space being that you're from scandinavia and that you know you kind of shift the the perspective a little bit you know you have khabib as mentioned before you have a few mike tyson you know muhammad ali and they've all sort of in their own way shifted the narrative that surrounds islamophobia so i want to know a little bit why you know it's important for you to be that representation that figure and why it's important to have more 
bodies like yourself in this sport. I mean, when you have a platform like I have, like uh, being a world champion, um, I mean, a lot of young people look up to us, so it's important to to represent Islam and and uh, in a good way. So, I'm international. I'm 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 mixed race. I'm Swedish and Gambian, Europe and Africa. I I lived in the U.S. for 12 years. Um, now I'm living in the Middle East. I'm all over the place. So Universal. Uh, I reach a lot of people. So, yeah, it's important. But putting that kind of pressure on you, I mean, we're humans. We falter. Do you feel like that might put you, you know, under the scope a little bit to, to put yourself in that position, um, you know, to be that representative? No, you should just strive to do good things. And, uh, you know, nobody's perfect. And uh, you know, just try to good good things, and uh, hopefully, people uh, you know the young guys, young people they they can see that and and be inspired. And uh, yeah, I mean, no 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 human being is perfect, so just Absolutely. try to be as good as possible. Basically, that's true. And I and I suppose it would probably keep you on your toes to to be the proper representative, right? So you might be more inclined to. Uh to stay on the straight and narrow, but, uh, that's me putting pressure on you, by the way. Um, <laughs> so you represented Gambia in the Olympics in 2008. Um, so I'm curious to know today, do you identify as a Gambian fighter or a Swedish fighter? Um, both. Um, yeah, I represent everybody. Like when you're professional, then you don't really represent a country like you do in the amateurs in the Olympics and world mm-hmm. championships. Not you're fighting for yourself, but uh, yeah, like, like I just said, I'm, I represent everybody. I represent the U.S., the Gambia, Sweden, uh, UAE, Saudi. Yeah, I'm international. International, absolutely. <laughs> uh, as you climb up the ranks of success, you achieve a level of notoriety uh, that may or may not come with some challenges. How do you stay clear from all of the potential chaos or dra- drama that may come with being a celebrity or associating yourself with other celebrities? I mean, I'm I'm trying to have a low profile, other than when it's time to promote a fight or or time to do, do things like in in the media and stuff. So yeah, I'm 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 mature. I don't really I'm not I don't even like drama. So drama don't come to me sometimes, okay, so you, but not not very often. Uh, so you stay clear from all of that, but I mean. Yeah. You know, you're naturally you're going to gravitate towards certain people. Certain people are going to naturally gravitate towards yours, or you rather. Do you ever maybe discuss with your wife to say, "Hey, like, should I affiliate? Should I associate? Like, does she come into play at any given moment, or are you just a family man? You focus on that. You, you're about your yeah, business, I'm, and you go home. Yeah, I'm a family man, and my religion helped me with staying on a straight path too. So. Um, yeah, I'm not really worried about that, but you know, some people, uh, you know, on the internet sometimes can, you know, talk shit and stuff, but that's part of the game. But nobody ever said anything to my face, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm, think I'm, they'd I'm, want you. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Keith. <laughs> I was just gonna say about you, uh, how much do you cut like in weight? I know boxers don't cut as much as MMA fighters. I'm just curious, like, do you have a decent weight cut? I know you have to follow a diet and you're traveling a lot. Um, yeah, what's your diet and weight cut like? Just, just curious. Uh, I have two uh, nutritionists that I work with, uh, Elliot Buckley and James Lockwood, one of the best guys uh, um, in the sport. So uh, right now, when I'm uh, moved up the cruiserweight, I'm, I don't really cut that much weight. A little bit, but not much. Uh, but 
uh, when I was super middleweight and light heavyweight, uh, yeah, it was like almost uh, around thirty pounds. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really like the cut weight, and uh, yeah, this now I'm comfortable. Yeah, I think it's better not to cut as much weight, especially like when you get a little older. It's just easier and just I think better for your health. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, John Pascal, I, he probably cuts a lot of weight. That guy looks like he cuts some weight. And um, yeah, I really thought you won that fight. I, I hate to bring this up, but I that was a really good fight you had. And uh, what, what do you think about that fight? Looking back on it a little bit. Yeah, I definitely won that fight, but he yeah, he was on steroids also. So yep, yep. So we we asked for the drug testing because we know who is he working with and what what he's about. So we just wanted to it should be a fair playing playing field. Like we both should be tested, but yeah, they didn't do no testing until after the fight, and, you know. And, and so and when we do the rematch, uh, we we're supposed to do the rematch. Yeah, he. He tested positive. He broke the record for EPO and uh, I don't know all different steroids. Four different steroids he got caught for it. So it's not like uh, if you take steroids, I don't think uh, the first time that's not like you're gonna take four. He probably took two maybe, and then he said, "Yeah, I still got my ass kicked in the rematch. Maybe I need four. So that's what he did. So uh, plus they didn't they didn't do no testing in the first fight, like up uh, up leading up to the fight. So. Yeah, he got caught, and then they disqualified, or they basically canceled the fight. Uh, and yes, we had to fight someone else. Tell me, how do you stay ready? Do you have like a pregame pregame ritual, or is there like a process leading up to your match that you have to focus on? I know some um, fighters will isolate themselves away, even from their families, for a period of time um, to train, to focus, and to build up the anticipation up until the. The, the day of the match what do you do to kind of lead you up to the day of um like i always stay in shape i always train like uh off season too like so you stay course, ready taking the vacation and stuff but um before the fight around eight weeks training camp um yeah strict strict training camp eat sleep sleep train but i don't isolate myself from the i stay home uh i got my nutritionist uh, chef staying with me cooking all the meals and yeah, I bring all my whole team either here to Dubai or to Vegas. So, yeah. So, so right now you're 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 in Dubai. This is where you stay. Yeah, right now I uh, I I moved to Dubai. So amazing. Okay. Um. So right now I'm just maintaining uh pre camp basically. I I just started pre camp. I've been traveling a lot and I've been kind of busy since since my last fight. It's only been two months, but uh, yeah. So now starting training light and then uh, pick it up a little bit. And then two, uh, two months before the fight, before the next fight, I will, I will start a training camp. Now, obviously we talked about Mike Tyson a little bit earlier. We touched on your relationship with him and I'm curious to know, <laughs> he's still probably one of the most, you know, in shape fighters at his age. Um from his weight class. And so would, <laughs> would you carry on fighting up until a certain age? I mean, late age, or is this something that you have kind of capped off at a specific age? And maybe you can share that with us. Um, I'm sure you probably don't want to continue this into your sixties and probably can't, but <laughs> do you have a timeline? What's your timeline? What's your, what's your actual game plan between now and then? I mean, you're 39 now. Um, and so what does that look like within the next few years? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I got a few fights left. I I, I got a lot of fights left uh, in me, but uh, yeah, I'm, I don't want to. I want to retire from boxing. I don't want boxing to retire me. So oh. I got a I got a few fights left, and we're um, looking to get the some big money fights and 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 some good fights for the fans and uh, before I retire. So right now I feel great. I have a great uh, uh, performance in my last fight. Um, so. We see what's next, and uh, yeah, I'll take one fight at a time. All right, I know, I know the fight. Do an exhibition match for some big money with Logan Paul. You won't even <laughs> get hurt. There's no way you could even get hurt. You could wear a bank robbing outfit like Floyd did, and just you're basically robbing the bank. Hey, we didn't think yeah. the Silva was gonna was gonna yeah. eat it, but he did. So that was Jake Paul. Oh Not yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's but, right. Yeah, they might they might be in the same type of skill twinsies. Set anyway. <laughs> yeah, it don't matter. Now, yeah, maybe maybe after I I, I was talking about real fights, so yeah, I got a couple <laughs> real fights, left. and and then uh, yeah, maybe I can do some exhibition. Absolutely, I'm open for that. Amazing. Let me. Can I pick your? Listen, I want to pick your brain because I really want to know what your thought process is, and I know that. To some degree, you have to kind of tread the line a little bit. And this is not necessarily sports related, although I did see a clip. I think this was pre um, your fight with uh, Marcus Brown. But I saw Michael Blackson. Was that, was that the same fight? Was it that day? Yeah, Where he was yeah, in yeah. Re- Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit. There's a there's a clip of Michael Blackson where, you know, you casually invited him to learn a little bit about your faith. He jokingly said that if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. Ninety three percent of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That any faith that allows him five wives, he'll accept. You immediately corrected him and said four. And yeah. based on your knowledge, based on your knowledge, what would you say are the benefits of polygyny in today's society? I'm really just curious to know about your mindset. Why why you want to know, MJ? That's the, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Um, I just want to know because that was a conversation that came up and I thought it was a very striking conversation. I mean, I have my own perception and, and opinions about polygyny and I, I personally am not anti it, but I'm curious to know what his mindset we know, is. We know you're not, you know, anyway, we're going to let yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, um, it's part of our religion. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not for everyone. <laughs> understood do you so based off of the religion and what you know just your thoughts what are the benefits of it 
if someone was to pursue polygyny? Because, I mean, he mentioned it like it was just a casual thing. Yeah, I'm going to take on five wives, you know? And you said, nah, four. <laughs> That's the limit. <laughs> no, I mean, so you... uh, it's, more, it's more women on the earth than men, I guess. And uh, uh-huh. if, if some women are single, maybe, then you know, it's not enough men. And, uh, yeah, men are, are a little different than, than women. So maybe they, they crave more than one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bro, listen, like, you, you, bro, you don't even have to go there. Like, you always like, you're always like, you know, you try to get you, try to get you killed. We're going to get to the next, to the next question. And, uh, I but, mean, it is halal. It's not a taboo. It's not a taboo. And I think that people have this weird stigma surrounding it. And I don't think there should Especially be in the any. Western world. I mean, and especially because you are a representative of Islam. And this is not just a, I don't ask you this because, I mean, obviously you're in a field, in an area, in an environment where I'm sure there's a lot of attention coming your way. So, you know, when I say this, it's really just to get your, your, your thought process on why it would be a benefit to society versus it being about you, right? Yeah, like I said, it's not for everyone, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not a bad thing. No, absolutely not. Amazing. Amazing. So Keith, I know you have a lot of sport questions that you do want to ask as a, as a, you know, he's a, a you know, a fighter himself and, and, and yes. MMA, well, I don't know why I can't get that out of my mouth, but MMA fighter. Um, so yeah, Keith, jump in if you want to. Yeah. Uh, great time to come in and change the subject. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just a big <laughs> fan. I, I've watched a lot of your fights and uh, I'd, I'd like to see you fight on, um, Gene Pascal, I think that's how you say it, whatever it is, and we don't care about his name, but I'd like to see you kind of beat him up fair and square again. And then is there anybody that you're like wanting to fight? Like, because I know in boxing sometimes, like, you got to kind of call people out and you got to kind of like, be like, this is who I want to fight. Instead of being like, okay, whoever they give me, it's more like, you know, it has to be an interesting, good fight for you and for the fans. Uh, Yeah. Is there any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, now at this stage of my career, now we're back on top. So now uh, we can almost pick and choose. So now they they calling me out. So I don't have to we I have to look for them. Now, now we uh, yeah we have some options. So um, yeah, my my manager Amr and my promoter, the Skill Challenge promotion, they are working on something big. So um, I'm I'm ready to be back in the ring in the fall. No, Pascal, absolutely not. He's a cheater. He's a drug. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, first of all, he he's not even allowed to fight. I mean, now he probably is. But, I know you're uh, the champ he, too. He don't like, give, yeah, he bring nothing to the table about? right now. I, I, people saw that I beat his ass, so I don't have to uh, prove that. And and I'm in a different weight class now too. So, I, I and he lost his last fight. I uh, I'll hurt him seriously. So yeah, I don't want to go to jail for murder. <laughs> I think Amir is here, brother Amir. Are we gonna have like a, a second fight with a brother, a Congolese brother? The only Congolese he needs to fight is you, Frenchie. Let's get Frenchie in the ring. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of I had a lot of issues with the Congolese community because I was like, you know, I was cheering for for Badu and then all the Congolese went at me as well. That is funny. Um yeah, I mean, is are you? I mean, that that's a question directed at you. Which is that is that a fight that you're willing to to do over? I mean, uh, I don't think nobody want to see it, but uh, I'm willing to fight anyone. But right, like I said, now I'm looking for for the big money fight. He's not really a big name like that, but 
uh, you know, it, it was a rematch clause, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm looking for something bigger and better. So yeah. Who who do you yeah. want? Who do you want to call out? We're, I, we're asking like, the wrong questions because he's the champ. He just won the championship. So <laughs> people are calling him out now. So it's probably like the best money fight and the best stylistic fight for him. Yeah, the thing is, the other cruiserweight champions, nobody, I, I, I don't even know all of the names. They not, they not big names, and they not, they don't bring no, no money. Um, cruiserweight always kind of been like a weight class that hasn't been uh, no big names, but um, we'll see. I'm open to discuss anyone, but uh, whoever makes most sense, that's that's what we're gonna fight next. I fought everybody. In- I proved that I'm willing to fight everyone. I fought everybody in every weight class, all the tough big punches, the big, the fast guy. I fought everybody, so I don't have to prove myself. I just want to fight the best, the biggest, the best fight. So there's absolutely no one in your peripherals. Not really, not really, and I don't want to call out no smaller guys either. So if they <laughs> could, you know, come up, come to me as a big name, yeah, maybe we'll see. But uh, yeah. Uh, like awesome. I said, I let my team do that work and uh, and put some guys together, and then we sit down and talk who's who's the best option. Amazing. So, outside of who you could potentially go against, is there anyone that you have your eyes on as far as a talent that you want to maybe highlight or share with us that maybe isn't up and coming? Maybe a small time person who's literally working their way up the ranks that you feel like has potential to succeed. To fight me or, or just no no general, not not to fight or? just in general somebody yeah. like you know somebody that's impressed or they, that's impressed you essentially with their skills. Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot of fighters. Um, I mean, Javante Davis, uh, mm-hmm. Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, they all in the same weight class also, and uh, uh, those Japanese guys is good. I mean, it's it's so many so many great fighters, the heavyweights. You know. It's, but uh, yeah, out of the young guys, those are probably my 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 three favorites: um, Javante Davis, uh, Shakur Stevenson, and Devin Haney. Yeah, so the future is bright for these young guys. Amazing. And would you, uh, you know, have someone, one of them, be a you know, protege of yours, sort of doing what Mayweather essentially did for you? Not really. They don't. They they all top of the game. They make it. They probably make way more money than me than me already. So Devin Haney got all the belts. Uh, Javante Davis uh, is probably the biggest star in boxing. Shakur Stevenson is probably the most talented guy. So yeah, they they don't need me. I can give them advice uh, outside of the ring, or maybe about Islam. But uh, other than that, <laughs> yeah, they don't need me. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, cool. So I want everybody to go ahead and retweet this this room. Of course, these um, this room is going to be recorded, so the replays are there. I want to bring some people up on the stage as well to sort of add a little bit of texture, ask their questions, because I know you have fans. So uh, I'm going to bring some people up. But before I do, I'm going to give you guys the mic. Um, before you say anything, guys, I just want to pose a couple more questions, and we can go ahead and yield it to you. Um, I saw that you had... Okay, I'm a little bit of a – this is where I fan out a little bit, okay? I saw that you had a photo with one of, like, my all-time favorite, like, Islamic scholars, speaker, uh, Mufti Mank. <laughs> I yeah. want you to share uh, what that exchange looked like. Did he give you any advice? I feel like he would probably do that in such a gentle way. Um, but share a little bit about that experience. I mean, he's, he's very popular in the uh, virtual space. 
Yeah, so uh, I forgot who introduced us together. It was a couple a year or two years ago, maybe. Um, yeah, he's been texting me a lot. We've been texting, asking him for advice, and uh, he invited me uh, two times to uh, one of these uh, seminars here in, in Dubai. So I mm. saw him. What was it like a month ago or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually talked to him yesterday. Yeah, so he's very. Uh, um, helpful with Islam and, and and all the questions I have, and yeah, he's a good brother. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, he radiates goodness, and he's really popular on Twitter. I don't know if you guys know him, Mufti Mank. If you ever get a chance, look him up. Super dope. Um, but yeah. that being said, I'm going to throw the microphone to S. Ibrahim. Please ask your question and be direct. Take your hand off mic. Or off mute, I should say. At the bottom left corner, there's a mic on, off. S. Ibrahim, are you there? If not, I'm going to throw the microphone to someone else. Give me one second. All right. He's not there. S. Ibrahim once, twice. Well, I'll try to bring him back up. But actually, in the meantime, in between time, while we do that, um, Badu, are you involved in the Web3 space at all? Or is this just a really new space for you? Yeah, it's a new space for me. Okay. So I'm curious to know, Frenchie, have you uh, discussed any of our potential collaborations with Badu? Because I think this would be super dope. Uh, definitely. I mean, not, not yet, but uh, I'm definitely uh, going to regroup with uh, him and Amir and explain a little bit better like what we're doing here. And then uh, I think that's something uh, very interesting for him. Uh, he's definitely going to be able to capitalize and, uh, uh, you know, get like, you know, a bigger crowd in this uh, specific ecosystem, you know. Especially since we don't want him fighting until his, his 50s or 60s, right? So uh, this yes. might be a <laughs> this might be a good rebrand. Um, but would you ever just playfully get into the ring with Mike? I'm just curious. Me? Yes. No. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a he's a hero no no never just uh, walk walk him to the ring or he walking me to the ring that's it <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> i so like my, do... i like my face i like my life i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> do you think he has potential if mike decided to get back in the ring do you think he would be ready yeah he he was just back about two years ago so yeah I mean, it's different on on a high level, uh, you know, the world champion. But uh, yeah, he can definitely kick a lot of people's ass. Still, you know. Yeah. Still, we're just trying to get people to connect on this Twitter thing, and for some reason, I think there's a there's an issue for connection. But what are, what is what is a legacy that you'd like to leave behind? How do you want to be seen, or how do you want to be remembered down the line? <laughs> Uh, as a as a great fighter that fought everybody and and uh, wasn't afraid to take a tough fight, and uh, yeah, a lot of these fighters nowadays they just want to, you know, uh, they want to keep that. Oh, they scared of fighting this guy and too much politics and boxing. I just I just I'm cool with everyone, so I want to fight the best and and uh, yeah. And, awesome, uh, yeah, awesome. Win titles in more weight classes. Now I don't know if it's gonna be another weight class. Probably not, but uh, yeah. Three is enough. Three. <laughs> well, you don't know just yet. You might get inspired again. So I'll throw this mm-hmm. uh, the microphone to Hamit Pakel. I hope I said that correctly and I didn't butcher your name. By all means, go right ahead. The the floor is yours. And if your mic doesn't work, I'll have to drop you back down. 
Hamid, are you there? Going once, going twice. I don't know what's going on with this thing. Are you guys having this issue, French? Yeah, I'm, I'm, good. Yeah. I'm good with like my mic. I, I don't know where those people can, uh, you know, uh, unmute their mic. I don't know. Okay. And there's a lot yeah. of people who have questions, but they can't <laughs> unmute their they... mic. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's uh, probably the I good to, Lord. I, I had to go in settings on uh, my iPhone and, and change it. Like Twitter, it wasn't on the, uh, my mic. Oh, fair enough. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and raise your hands. I'll bring you back up to the stage. Um, I apologize for bringing you down. If you you were up here a second ago, I think there might be some complications with Twitter. Um, sometimes it is just like that. Um, what what advice would you give to young men uh, or women who chase the worldly affairs in order to sustain a lifestyle constantly promoted by the media? What guidance would you give them? Um, stick to have a <laughs> stick to another sport. I was about to say that. Uh, <laughs> you know, have a good team uh, behind you, and you know, and do everything with good intentions, and uh, good things will come. And don't don't give up. Follow your dream. Amazing. I'm gonna throw the mic to uh, Tropyverse. Are you there? Please tell me you're there. <laughs> Oh, what man. is I going them, on? I invited them up too, just to try to get some questions here. I don't know what happened. I don't know. People can't talk. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. That's the first time that happened to me uh, in that space where people uh -huh. can unmute their mic. I, oh, okay. oh go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. There's something wrong with my mic. Um, not actually. I didn't necessarily have a question. I have more of a comment to make. Uh, well, first and foremost, salamu alaikum. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, how inspiring it was, um, you know, in, in the, I think, the most recent fight I actually happened to be watching, and just how inspiring it was to see you win, and also just be the first Muslim, you know, boxer to win in Saudi Arabia. So I just wanted to, you know, first and foremost, just congratulate you, brother, and, um, you know, you know, just wish, give you well wishing, man. May Allah continue to bless you, protect you in the ring, and um, just really inspired and wanted to just give you, you know, just... You know, give you a comment and just, you know, just continue to inspire others and keep doing your thing, brother. You know, that was really, really inspiring to see. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for that, Tropy. So go ahead, Boxing King Media. The floor is yours. Thank you. Badu, Salaam Alaikum. How you doing, brother? Walaikum Salaam. I'm great. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm good, man. Um, a question I had for you is, you know, if you look at your resume, you fought the best in this era from the three weight categories where you've been a champion at. You're basically a modern day great. But do you think you're recognized as a modern day great? And are you getting the recognition that I think you should be getting? Because your name doesn't get spoken about, man. And what you've done is you've beaten three legitimate world champions at three different weight divisions. Um, I mean that that's up enough to that's not up to me to decide if I get the recognition. I'm I'm just happy being <laughs> get my belt and and, and uh, get love from a lot of fans. That's it. So yeah, I get a lot of uh, get a lot of uh, recognition. So yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not mad. And obviously, you you fought in three weight divisions from Groves to Gale uh, to even Marcus Brown and uh, you know your recent win as well. Which one of them was your toughest challenge with regards to making weight and just you know mentally preparing for the fight and winning the actual fight? Um, 
to make him making weight, I think it was the Lucian Butte fight. That was the hardest. That was my not my last fight. The, the James Seagal was the last uh, uh, fight in super middleweight. So the fight before that, I was really struggled to make weight. Um, toughest fight. It's, I have so many tough fights. I don't really know. That, that's what they asked me before. So the only thing I can say is the the biggest punches are Donna Stevenson. So yeah, obviously it was hard to fight with the. Uh, with the with the scar, with the, uh, me bleeding like that, but it wasn't. I was never hurt. It wasn't. I wasn't like throwing a lot of punches. It wasn't that tough. No. And what more do you have to give, man? That, but you know, you just signed your skills challenge as all these world champions. Uh, do you want one of them? Do you want the winner of Lawrence Coley, Chris Billum Smith, maybe, or you've got eyes on the other guys? I don't even know who the other guy is that fight Lawrence Coley. But like I said before, <laughs> the other champions, uh, it's not really you no know, big names. It's not like very exciting styles either. So I don't know. We're going to see. Uh... If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million quality qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need indeed. Who they bring up uh, to the table and and who who generates the most money? The you know everything else uh, uh, from the business side of it. So we'll see. Good stuff. And just to wrap up from my end, uh, as a, a hardcore boxing fan, I see you as a modern day great. So well done on your career so far. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. Anyone else that wants to add anything, by all means, do so. I know Amir is up here with us. Amir, did you want to add anything to your fellow? Uh... Well, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me on. I, I, well, I saw a request here to, to hop on, and I m- missed it. So I'm just replying now. But uh, Badu, assalamu alaikum. hear your voice again, brother. Um, and for everybody that's joining, uh, Frenchie, thank you so much for inviting us. Anything, you know, that Frenchie is a part of we're a part of um and uh you know it's it's funny the I'm, I'm listening to some of these questions and some of the comments and and uh, our good brother from uh, boxing king media which is probably the fastest growing boxing channel in boxing today so anybody that hasn't subscribed to him absolutely should but you know he posed a question about badu fighting some of these new guys and when you look back and you look at you know and you just analyze badu's record his accomplishments his accolades and his resume, nobody in that division, or arguably in boxing, aside from the absolute supers like Canelo and all of those guys, have fought the caliber of guys that Badu has fought. I mean, you're talking about the only guy in boxing that's fought eight world champions back-to-back. Now, uh, alhamdulillah, claimed a third division world title in three weight classes. 
And you're absolutely right. He doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. And for whatever reason it may be, and if you and if those controversial decisions, I'm not going to say the robberies, I'm going to say the controversial decisions that he had, had he won those, which, I mean, most of boxing uh, world argues that he did win those fights, but had he gotten the decision, you would be talking about an entirely different kind of guy now than right. you know, just the three-division right. world champion. Mm-hmm. You'd be talking about a guy that won six world titles and you know has accomplished and beaten the best guys in the sport. So I can go on and on and on. And of course, you know, we represent Badu and we can talk about him until we're blue in the face, but really his resume speaks for himself and he is a living legend. And I think he'll go down as one of the best ever. And I'm just, we're just honored to, to be a part of the team Badu Jack. And he's a better person outside of the ring than all of his accomplishments inside of the world. Oh, that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's a fact. And thank you, Amir, definitely. <laughs> no, thank you, Amir, for, for those comments. And, uh, of course, thank you for even, like, you know, allowing us to have you guys here. Um, same thing, like, you know, you guys are family. And I really wanted to make sure that our community, like, you know, uh, give, like, you know, to, uh, the, 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 his flowers, like, you know, Badu's flowers. Thank you, brother. Them. Like, you know, that's, that's very important. Is an architect of the culture and art, and definitely like a living legend in the world of boxing. So, uh, definitely kudos to you, my brother. The honor is ours. Thank you, Frenchie, brother. Always. Absolutely. I think Amir has a future in in uh, in podcasting. Amir, you have a great radio voice. Just <laughs> well, sidebar. Thank you. thank you very much. He's good at everything. By the way, stop. One of the things that I want to say was also, you know, except music. I, 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 <laughs> I can, uh, on this, believe it or not, a well-known fact or a very unknown fact, but well-known between Badu and I is him and I can, we sing to each other and I always, oh, Badu knows no words of any song. He knows three words of every major song that he knows. So he knows Listen, how that he, ends up. He, he said that, he said that is there a mute Bon Jovi Badu? and Metallica is better Badu? than Bob Marley and Michael Jackson. Can, some, can somebody mute Badu? Like, no, 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 Frenchie, Frenchie, don't buy into that. Do not buy into that. Let me tell you hey. exactly what happened. Hang on, sister, please. Here's a, this is the conversation that happened. It started with, who do you think is more accomplished? Who will be remembered longer for their accomplishments? Bon Jovi or... Uh, or, or Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Or Bob Marley. Wait, but we got to remember, Bon Jovi went over over generations. Bob Marley had one generation, so that's what okay. we're talking. And then you don't have Badu to say. Just ask him. Who better, Bob Marley or Bon Jovi? Badu, and then Badu started throwing in oh, Metallica and Michael Jackson. So <laughs> the essence of it is, it's an arguable, it's an arguable argument. It can go both sides, but. Um, okay, just the, ask the, him about. Just ask him about uh, Bon Jovi. Frenchie, you can't mute that mic. <laughs> just ask them that's it i mean listen we could answer that but i think it would be a, a, a war yeah. that'd be st- stirred up between the two of you guys but you know amir you say he can't sing i want to hear him recite the quran i don't know he oh, might he might just blow he, us out of the but, listen no he's a very shy guy but he, he's got a beautiful voice uh you know one of the things about badu also is he's He's devout in what he does, not just, you know, boxing, but in Islam as a person. You know, even when I was talking to Prince Khadiz, and he said, one of the things that I love about Badu is he's a family man. He's a man that, you know, is somebody that we're proud standing next to and saying, you know, when the kingdom gets behind somebody, that's not a small feat. The kingdom Mm. of Saudi Arabia doesn't get behind anybody. And they're behind Badu Jack. And there's a reason for that because of the kind of person that he is. 
What I wanted no. to say going back to this is, you know, when we were at the fight uh, in uh, in Dera'iya, the last fight where Badu uh, won the, his third title, mm-hmm. I, I went over to, to to Mike Tyson. Believe it or not, Mike's a very shy guy also. I mean, he comes out as a very guy, but he really is, you know, an, 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 uh, uh, a shy, humble man. I said, Mike, would you walk Badu to the ring? And he's like, no, brother, no, no, no. Let, let Badu have his, his light, let him walk light. So I walked away, and Frenchie went over and he said, Mike, you better walk Badu out to the ring. <laughs> I think you should walk him out to the ring. And Mike's like, okay, Frenchie. So you know, Frenchie, as quiet and as humble as he is, he moves mountains, this guy. So yeah. walk- <laughs> no, 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 no. Mike Tyson hey, walked to, me to the ring. Mike Tyson walked me to the ring my first, uh, I think, Showtime fight, like 11 years ago or something. Before wow. this. So it was the first time. Man, I mean, I had to do that this time, man. I was like, bro, we here. You got to do it, man. You got to do it. I don't care. Mike was like, oh, okay, you sure? You sure? I said, yeah, but you got a blue suit. You looking good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you look good on TV, brother. Hey, Fr- Frenchie always got his agent hat on, always, at all times. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, he's a beast. From day one that I met him, he was always like that. He was always like that. Definitely, no. It's all love to you, brother. You know, you know you, brother. I, love, like, I love you, bro. But uh, Thank man, you. that was an amazing uh, episode, man. Like uh, that was great to have you uh, among us, uh, Badu and uh, Amir as well. Uh, we had like a good turnout. Like you know, the the, the actual episode is recorded, so uh, we definitely uh, gonna have like you know people listen to it again. Uh, so yes, man, uh, MJ, if you can take us to heaven. Uh, I mean, with with prayer, I I don't know. We might pray for me. How about that? Now, the Culture Talk guys is a live audio space that highlights the journey of some of our signed artists and or future collaborators, so that we may educate, elevate, and of course, as always, give back. Thank you all for joining us here on the Culture Talk episode 30, powered by CEO of the Culture Cards NFTs, Mr. Fred Frenchie, in partnership with the number one hip hop podcast, Drink Champs. A special and warm. Uh, amazing thank you to our guest Badu Amir as well thank you for jumping in and and adding texture to the conversation Um, guys you know to keep up with everything culture cards follow our discord uh, hit you know my my twitter i don't even know what it's called anymore uh hit frenchie to follow frenchie rather follow myself you can hit the link you can you know follow our website till next time guys have a good night or good day, rather. Hey, My yeah. goodness, where am I? I'm still celebrating. I <laughs> eat guys. Talk to Amir, you, guys you, wanna, you wanna leave us with a quick, uh, you know, song, Amir? Oh. So what's going on? Please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute myself now after that request. No, no, I'm really I do wish everybody the best. Thank you for tuning in. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having us on, guys. It was an absolute honor. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Salam alaikum. This has been another episode of Culture Talk brought to you by CEO and founder Fred Frenchie of The Culture Cards. Thank you for tuning in and special thanks to the featured guest.